Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite topic. Yay! Life, ins- <laughs> life insurance. It's, uh, you know, I don't think it's everyone's favorite topic, but I think it is a topic on most uh, most people's minds who have families, right? Or at least it, it's a topic that comes into their mind. Maybe it doesn't stay on their mind, but... Uh, it's a common topic. And so, you know, we have conversations with naturopaths all the time who have families and we talk about protecting, you know, our families and our practice. This is more so on the personal side is, is for today's conversation. Life insurance can be, uh, is used also on the business side, but for today it's per, on the personal side. So the, the most common questions we get are how much should I get? What type of policy should I get? And obviously the underlying, the real concern is cost. Uh, And I believe the answer to both of your questions, Ryan, is yes. (laughs) Yes. So so let's jump into, so what's life insurance, right? Because I think while many people understand the purpose of life insurance, I don't think they truly get what it is that they're protecting. Even before we jump into life insurance, let's just talk about insurance in general. What is the purpose of insurance? The purpose of insurance is to make us whole and try to make it so that we don't have a a loss from something bad happening, right? Yeah, and our philosophy around insurance is... Uh, you know, people talk about having self insurance, right? And we're not we're not against self insuring. For the the short term type of losses, we are against self insuring for the long term type losses, the catastrophic losses that you can't come back from. Well, it, it's it's more thinking about it from the standpoint of like, okay, what's the lost economic value, and can can that be replaced through self insurance? Like, if there isn't a loss, then we don't need to insure against it. Right. Yeah. Agreed. And so for example, like, let's think about it from uh, the, the sample example of like just having bought a brand new Tesla. That's a $70,000 car. If we buy a $70,000 car, we don't insure it. And tomorrow it's stolen. What happened? Well, we no longer have a vehicle. We lost $70,000, right? Right. And it, it doesn't matter whether we borrowed money to to uh, to buy the car or whether we just wrote a check for $70,000. Either way, we're still on the hook for the loan, even though we no longer have the car. Like we're still out the $70,000. Well, if we bought an insurance policy and that insurance policy cost 100 bucks, and it replaced the car, well then we're out the hundred dollars and we still have the brand new Tesla, right? Now, one thing that's important to understand is when we buy insurance, if it's pure insurance where it's, you know, the example is a hundred bucks. If the car isn't stolen, what was the cost? hundred bucks, negative hundred percent return. Correct. If the car is stolen, what's the rate of return? Same thing. Right. Because we didn't gain $70,000. 
it just prevented losing $70,000. And that, that's a, a difficult concept to grasp, but it's an important one. Insurance is designed for the most part, there's, I think, one exception, maybe two exceptions, to have a 100% loss. And we hope we never need it. Which is why we're talking about protecting from the worst threats, right? These catastrophic threats. Life insurance, God forbid something happens to you, right? If you're married and, and have kids, if something happens to, to one of you that, that has an income coming in the door that you rely upon, right? And rely upon for like today, as in like living today, or even relying, maybe you're saving that person's income. You're still relying upon that savings for your future self. There's still a reliance there. Like I, I, I have yet to meet someone that has money coming in the door that they're actually not going to use at some point. Like they're not actually like lighting the money on fire because they don't need it. Right. Like they're either spending it or they're saving it for their future self. So if something happens to one of you, that income stops coming in the door, right? That's what life insurance is a financial product. It's a financial protection product in terms of protecting your income. It's protecting your lifestyle. Exactly. Right. And, and what provides that lifestyle is that income. And so too often people, people come to us. The reason I'm, I'm harping on this is, you know, I had a phone call just the other day with someone that, that called me up and said, and they, they came out and they knew they had this figure in their head and they said, Hey, Ryan, I'm looking for a $500,000 life insurance policy. And my question to them was, is okay. How did you like, great. I can help you with that. How did you land on $500,000? Why didn't you land on $250,000? Or why didn't you land on $2.5 million? Like how did 500K come, come to mind? And the response was, well, I've got a $400,000 mortgage and I wanna make sure I've got $100,000 for my kids, for their, their kids' education. That's how they landed on $500,000. Which is a totally normal rational way that a lot of people actually come up with the amount of life insurance that they have. Well, it's how our industry has had done it for the longest time too. Let's just call it what it is. Like we kind of train the American public because we came at it from a cost perspective, right? So we're like, okay, how do we bring down the cost? What's the bare minimum that you need to spend on insurance? And while we're not trying to say, go spend a bunch of money on insurance, we are trying to say is, okay, if something does happen to you, does your family live the life that, that you want them to live, right? So now to take a quick example here. If we've got a married couple each bringing in even 50 grand a year, right? So it's $100,000 of household income coming in the door and they're in their 30s. How much income will they bring in over their lifetime? Lifetime, like they're working lifetime. Right? So if they're working for 30 years, take inflation out of the equation. Right, Most of our incomes are going to go up over a 30-year period of time. Let's just say we found a couple that their income stays the same for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> right? Amusing concept. It's $100,000 coming in the door for 30 years. That's $3 million. Divide that by two. Now we're at $1.5 million. That income is what's going to allow this family to live the life that they want today, as well as live the life that they want in the future. 
assuming inflation doesn't exist. Yeah, I'm, we're taking inflation out just for fun because I don't want to go into the, the weeds here. So now take a look at it from the standpoint, okay, that person passed away, they wanted $500,000. Does $500,000 provide their family the same lifestyle that they were accustomed to? Absolutely not. And it doesn't. And if we think it, there's a different way of thinking about it, and that is like, okay, well, imagine that same family, $100,000 income, and we just take the $400,000 and pay off the mortgage. And now we've got $100,000 left over for the kids for college or whatever else. So we're not going to spend that. Can the family now live without a mortgage on $50,000 a year? Uh, almost certainly the answer is going to be no, because they weren't paying $50,000 a year to their mortgage. Look, we're not trying to, we're just trying to explain what it is you're protecting, right? It, it's up to, we obviously we didn't take into consideration what assets this, this couple has. We're just trying to explain like the simplicity of life insurance in terms of what it is you're protecting. So make sure when you're coming to how much you should get, take that perspective. Okay. How much in assets do you have? Okay. And now include the income. What do, and what lifestyle do you want your family to have if something like that actually occurred? And one of the, one of the dangers of, of taking into account assets is at some point we're not going to work anymore. And now we need our assets to be there to create an income. So like, if we think about it from a standpoint of that, that $100,000 income family, how much assets are they going to have generated at retirement to be able to then live the lifestyle that they want in retirement? We need to not only be able to get to retirement, but be able to live through retirement. And, and yeah, things are going to change. You cannot replace a person with money. It just, it can't be done. But at the same time, we want to try and minimize any negative financial impact from not having that, that spouse there anymore. And so it, it, like, we don't want it to be a good thing that one of the spouses is gone, but we certainly don't want it to be a bad thing. Look, it, it's an emotional conversation. I know that I'm, I, I'm like, not being emotional with this. And those of you listening that, right, you might be like, oh man, Ryan's a harsh, <laughs> right? And I am, I'm, I'm a to the point type of guy, but, but I do take this very serious in the fact that for me personally, if something happened to my wife, and by the way, my wife actually doesn't have an income coming in the door, but I've got two young kids. I mean, young, I guess they're, they're not <laughs> young anymore. They're 11 and 13, which is scary. But if my wife passed away, I don't know how I'd really, I, I don't know how I would react. Would I go to work the next day? Would I go to work the next year? How am I going to take care? How is my kids going to have the same lifestyle that they're accustomed to? Because my wife is doing way more work than I am. She's not getting paid for it. So that means I might have to hire other people, right? So there, there's, <laughs> there's a, a bunch there. So I have the maximum amount of life insurance on my wife as well, because I want to make sure that my kids have, it's not even for me necessarily, right? Like for those of us, the quote unquote breadwinners, right? I could be ultra macho here and say, well, my wife doesn't have an income. I bring the money in the door. So we'll be just fine. 
look, I mean, I'm, I'm as macho as they probably come out there and I would probably be a crying sap that wouldn't go back to work. Yeah. And I mean that in a positive way. Please don't take that as I'm demeaning anything. Like I'm, I'm genuinely like, I don't know what I'd do. Right. Uh, yeah, no, I totally get that. And one of the things that you mentioned there, Ryan, that I, I don't think a lot of people understand is that there is a maximum amount of life insurance that you can own. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Like I couldn't go get a hundred million dollar life insurance policy on my wife. And like, that makes sense to us. Like, like, you know, everybody, every time I've brought that concept up to people, they're like, oh yeah, no, I get that. Okay. Well, how much life insurance could you get? And at that point, nobody has an answer. And the truth is, and like, heck, I was in the industry for 10 or 15 years and didn't really have an answer for that question. Um, and it, it's, it's something where that, like when I learned that, that there is a maximum that an insurance company will give you, I was like, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. And it really hit home and it changed my perspective on how we should evaluate life insurance. Yeah, there's a common thing that I hear, and it normally comes from the male. <laughs> that and the male will say something like, "I don't want to be worth more dead than alive. Right. I don't want to. I don't want it to sleep with one eye open. Ha ha ha!" To make the joke, right? Like I've even made that joke. And the fact of the matter is, is do you think a life insurance carrier would actually approve an amount? that would have you worth more dead than alive. Like just stop and think about that for just a second. <laughs> the insurance company will not sleep if that occurs. They do not want that situation or circumstance. And so in the example that we've been talking about here, it's a, if they're in their thirties, they can forget 30 times their income. That's the maximum amount that they can get. And if their spouse isn't working, the spouse can get half of what the breadwinner can get. Now, the other way that that calculation works is if we've got somebody who has a tremendous amount of wealth, then it is a multiple of their net worth, usually one times their net worth, although it could be greater or smaller depending upon how old people are. And, and like that like when you think about it from that standpoint, like, okay, imagine a couple that makes a hundred thousand dollars, but is worth $10 million. And so individually they can only like, based on their income, they can only get $3 million worth of life insurance. Sorry. 30 times $50,000 is a million and a half. 1.5. Yep. So they can only get $1.5 million worth of life insurance. However, if they have $10 million, the insurance company will allow them to get up to 5 million or to, to get up to 10 million. So here's a situation in which most people would say, oh, well, they've got $10 million. They don't need life insurance. And the insurance company is saying, we'll allow them to have more, even though most people would say that they don't need it. And if that doesn't make you stop and pause and think about, okay, well, why would an insurance company allow that in a situation where the insurance company is petrified of giving someone a reason 
to be worth more dead than alive. And now we have created a, they have created a method for that person who most individuals would say they don't need any life insurance to go get six times the amount of life insurance that they currently have. So that, that gives you hopefully quite a bit of, of thought and, and we're hoping that's having you think differently about what it is you're protecting. Like that's the point of this conversation. So when you think about how much, look at it from that perspective. Okay. Part two is, okay, what type, right? And there are two basic forms uh, of, of life insurance. So we're going to keep it ultra simple for today's episode. Um, so the first style of policy is, is a term insurance policy, right? And what, what that means is that style of policy will last a period of time, right? A, a Maybe, term, if you will. Right. Right. You probably heard like a 10-year term or 20-year term. Like that's language that's out there. What that means is in 10 or 20, depending on the term that you purchase, after that time period, the policy expires. That doesn't mean that it goes away. It just means that the guaranteed rate goes away. Yeah, it become it can become a renewal, renewable term policy, which means it renews every year, but now your premium goes up and goes up drastically because you're not getting un, you're not qualifying for that policy like you did prior. This style policy is from from a cost perspective the lowest cost. And the think lowest, about that for a the, second. The lowest cash flow. Sure. Not necessarily lowest cost because those things are different. Fair. It's a cost in the fact that if you don't die the money's gone. Y- yes. I, what I was pointing out is the other form of life insurance has a value to it. And so what happens when the, the value that you have in the policy equals the amount of dollars that you've put into it at that point, is there a cost? And like the technical answer is yes, there's still a cost to it, but at the same time, from a net value standpoint, like, okay, Ryan, if I, I charge you $10 a year, and I offer you offer to give you a thousand dollars if you pass away, and in ten years you have a uh, hundred. Uh, I've got, I've got it. Got a uh, no. So if in ten years I give you a hundred dollars back, or the ability for you to take a hundred dollars back, is there a cost that you've experienced? I got the hundred bucks back. There's a time value of money aspect there, but sure. Yeah, exactly. You've lost out on the time value of money of your $10 a year for 10 years. But at the same time that you got, you gave away a hundred dollars, you received back a hundred dollars. So sure. The fact of the matter is, is it's lowest cash flow, lowest cost, however you want to look at it, right? Most people will think of it as a cost up front, at least our listeners will. And then you've got, it's, it's the lowest cost because it only lasts a period of time. Like, think about it. If the life insurance carriers come back and says, hey, we'll offer you a life insurance policy for that 10 or 20 year period of time. Statistically, do you think that you're going to pass away? The answer statistically is no, you're not likely to pass away. If the right. insurance company is going to offer you a policy, 
there is a relatively uh, likelihood of you passing away. And we're not saying that that's a bad thing. It, there, it's a good use of dollars from a, from a cash flow perspective, if that's all you can do and you can protect your family to the best of your ability. It's an efficient way of creating protection and it's a very useful tool. Which takes us to more of the permanent life insurance policy, which Alex started to talk into where it, it's permanent, right? By definition, it won't go away right? As long as you're paying for for the policy. So it lasts your entire life. And because it lasts your entire life, do you think that the cost or cash flow needed to fund the policy would be higher than if they're only covering you for a term? Yes. It, it, and there are so many different versions of it. Like it could be something where it starts out inexpensive and gets more expensive over time. It could be that it's level. It could be that you pay premiums during your working years and then you stop putting dollars into the policy and the policy still lasts your entire life. There are a lot of different versions and variations of it. Um, there's also a lot of different ways that the underlying dollars that build up in the policy can be utilized. So you need to make sure that you understand how, how the policy works and are comparing it to the right thing. Yeah. So, so Alex is bringing up the fact that you get it right. It, permanent life insurance, it's a life insurance protection first, but it also builds an asset inside of it that they will, that insurance companies call cash value, right? That's, that, that's, that's just the asset. One, yeah. That's just one of the benefits that you can do use during your lifetime. The, the purpose of it is for protecting your family. And then when you retire, you can re- readjust it essentially and have it work for you in your retirement, or it could still be that life insurance piece. It's always going to be that life insurance piece. So those are the two likes, like, and there's a bunch of other stuff. You probably have heard of universal life insurance index. Like you've heard these terms out there and we're, we're not going to go into the weeds in today's episode on that. We just want you to think about it from the standpoint of how to analyze how much to get. And then, okay, how does the basic framework of a term insurance versus a permanent insurance product work. And it really comes down to cash flow is how you should look at all of this from how much you need and how much you should get or put into it. Sure. 100%. That really brings us to the question of the day. And our question today is, when was the last time that you evaluated your life insurance? Has it, has it been five years, two years, 10 years? Yeah, so head over to holistic-finance.com. We're hoping that you know this episode had you think about, okay, how did you come to the life insurance amount that you have? Or maybe you're looking at, at life insurance. At the bottom of the page, uh, there's a spot for you to reach out to us with questions or, or even suggestions for new episodes that we might record. We hope this episode was valuable for you. And as always, Mr. Collins, make it a great day. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. 
Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. All whole life insurance policy guarantees are subject to the timely payment of all required premiums and the claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Policy loans and withdrawals affect the guarantees by reducing the policy's death benefit and cash values. Some whole life policies do not have cash values in the first two years of the policy and don't pay a dividend until the policy's third year. Talk to your financial representative and refer to your individual whole life policy illustration for more information. Policy benefits are reduced by any outstanding loan or loan interest and or withdrawals. Dividends, if any, are affected by policy loans and loan interest. Withdrawals above the cost basis may result in taxable ordinary income. If the policy lapses or is surrendered, any outstanding loans considered gain in the policy may be subject to ordinary income taxes. If the policy is a modified endowment contract, loans are treated like withdrawals, that is gain first, subject to any ordinary income taxes. If the policy owner is under 59 and a half, any taxable withdrawal may also be subject to a 10% federal tax penalty. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, OSJ333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California 91711, telephone 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives at the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow Air Insurance License, number 1531912. CA Insurance License, number 0K24924. Alexander Collins Air Insurance License, number 7264699. CA Insurance License, number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2021-124264, expiration July 2023.